When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. And we went two went up and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilali. North. Elding. 3-2. They've been looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more. It's brilliant. 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 comes quickly. Okay, you're very welcome along to uh, episode four of the Bitter Red Supporters Club, Club podcast. Um, it's myself, Connor Lynch, Sean Dunn, and Magoo is back with us after his period away. It's good to be back, boys. It's good to be back. You're alive and kicking. You? You're still standing. Did you miss me? Oh, very much so. Yeah, I didn't think so. Definitely. <laughs> Listenership went way down, you know. It's had, you've had a, you've <laughs> had a huge impact. So listen, we're delighted, yeah. we're delighted you're back. Um, we're um, we're recording again remotely because of um, level three. Uh, I'm uh, coming to you from my bedroom. How are you, Sean? You're in your bedroom. I'm in my bedroom. I'm Magoo. I'm loyal to the cause. I'm in the showgrounds. Very good. Very good. Fair play to you. Um, so we have some massive news, massive podcast news uh, this week. Uh, we're delighted to welcome uh, another element on board. Uh, Sean, do you want to do you want to give us some details? Yeah, well, uh, it's been amazing news this week where we've uh, got sponsorship from Milligram Coffee there in town. It's uh, something we didn't expect so soon in the pod, but they've agreed, they've agreed to come on and sponsor us, and they actually approached us with it. So it's a, it's a massive compliment, and hopefully we can form a successful duo together over the coming months and years. Hopefully. Yeah, well, it's, um, it's a small but beautiful coffee shop, isn't it? Absolutely. It's top-class coffee, you know. It genuinely is. It's, uh, it's um, my first stop before work every morning. Are you, are you big into coffee, are you? I, I wouldn't be big into coffee as such, no, but I just, I, lo- I love coffee, but I wouldn't be but into need, the nuts and bolts of it. You need your coffee in the morning, like, yeah? Oh, yeah, 100%, yeah. What about you, Magoo? Um, I'm more of a tea man now, to be honest. All right, okay. That's I'm okay, that's okay. You need, we need to get on board now. You need to. I believe um, we're going to get a. We're going to get a couple of. Went in the place, all right. Say that again, Shane. Definitely. Yeah, I, I believe we're going to get. Um, we're actually going to get a couple of cups of coffee out of this, Sean. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the plan anyway. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. So, um, listen, Milligram Coffee. They're on Wine Street um, in town in Sligo. Great shop, uh, best coffee shop in town as far as we're concerned, and um, they are. Um, yeah, they're there on Wine Street, so we'd encourage everybody to get in there, uh, get your get your morning cup of coffee or whatever it might be during the day. Um, so on today's episode, later on, we will speak to uh, Sligo Rovers CEO Colin Feely. We had a great chat um, with him. Uh, we spoke about uh, his role moving from a member of the Rovers back team staff uh, to becoming uh, the chief executive officer with the club. Um, some of his golden memories over the years as as Kitman. And then some of the challenges that he's facing in the difficult times, uh, the same challenges every club is facing. But we had a good uh, chat with him. Um, in part three, we're going to have a look ahead to uh, Sunday's game uh, against Shelburne. Uh, we'll look at 
the, um, the push for Europe, um, who are worried about what we need to do there. Um, but uh, Sean, you're eager to get the ball rolling today to discuss the man of the moment, the, 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 the player on everybody's lips, Jack Byrne. Yeah, I'd like to congratulate him on his Ballon d'Or nomination there as well during the week. thought that was amazing for him. And his, uh, his multi-million move to Man City. You know, all going through in the world. It's great. They already got rid of him once. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, I mean, where's all the, where's all the Jack Byrne hype coming from? I don't hear Jack, Burks, Jack Byrne saying a lot about himself. He's keeping a fairly low profile. Yeah, no, I, I think we touched on it last week as well. It's not Jack Byrne personally. It's, it's the Shamrock Rovers fans and the Irish media that have just jumped on this, and it's beyond the joke. Even some of the comments that came out around the game there last week, was just, it was mind-blowing. Like, I even I came across some comments that says Jack Byrne gave the greatest, or sorry, one of the best Irish midfield performances in the last few years in the friendly he made an appearance in. The international game. Yeah, like it's it's crazy, and that Jeff Jeff Hendrick shouldn't be in the side ahead of him. That he's achieved more in the last few years than Jeff Hendrick has. Like, yeah. you mean, know, that's a, that's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? Yeah, like let's be honest. Yeah. Like, uh, if you put Jeff Hendrick in the League of Ireland, I think Jeff Hendrick would look like prime Chavi. You know, it's it's yeah. there's no comparison to the two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if if Jack Byrne walks into any other team in the league, does he? Do you think he changes them? Do you think he revolutionises the team? If he walks into our midfield, does he, is it a game changer for Rovers? He'd actually. Oh, absolutely. He's 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 a very good. He's a he's a he's a, an excellent League of Ireland player. He's an outstanding League of Ireland player. But so was Richie Howell, and so was Sean McGuire, and so was Colin Darrell Horgan. And look what the, where are all they now? Uh, Darren Horgan was, was no, down the wing. Uh, Darren Horgan was raiding down the wing uh, tonight in an Ireland jersey. He wasn't doing much raiding, in fairness. Because <laughs> he was out there. Was <laughs> like they're not getting like why? Why do? And I laughed. You see the Shans fan on social media talk about the football snobbery because he's not picked because he plays in the League of Ireland. Sure, they're the snobs that think he should walk into the team just because he plays with Shans instead of Jason Lumby. Like who's this Jason Lumby? Sure, he only plays with Millwall. Only with Millwall. Yeah, Brighton. Brighton's with Brighton. 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 Uh, this year, if I think anything's going to happen with him. Yeah, but the, the clubs well, aren't exactly queuing up for him, are they? Yeah, well, we're, well we're that's what I was just going to say. Wait, 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 like Jeff Hendrick playing with Newcastle and Conor Horahan playing with Aston Villa, who they think he should be playing instead of. So we'll see at the end of this season the line of Premier League clubs at Champs Door looking to sign him. Yeah. But I don't think there's going to be a whole in all fairness. Well, if, if you go by the hype, you should have an Irish interna- a top-class Irish international available on free transfer at the end of the season. By that standard, yeah. you should have every club, not every club, sorry, you should have most clubs in England looking to sign him. I'd say from 10th yeah. down in the Premier League should be looking to sign him. Yeah. And if that's not the case, then somebody's lying. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, I don't think. Um, I mean, they're, they're, yeah. They're, I mean, they're not busting the door down, and there's not a lot of. There's no, there's not many rumors linking him to here, there, and everywhere. Like you know, it's all fairly quiet, I'd say. And like I, I, I kind of think that he needs to. I know he went to City, he got let go by City. He, did he play in Holland for a while? Uh, I think that he needs to get to the top, be playing kind of Premier League sort of football, because I think that's going to suit him. Whereas if he's down League One, League Two, he's getting the shy kick out of him, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, it could be very easily swallowed up. Look at Richie Towell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, but you probably have a bit more time in the ball in the Premier League and you, you might have a bit of space to do what he does like you know ping a few balls around the place but listen um, we'll see what happens um, also some very interesting news uh, bringing things back a little closer to home uh, we're getting um, there's noise coming from the Sean Dunn rumour mill um, about uh, players who are strong, who are currently part of Slugger Rovers but playing football elsewhere Sean? No Easy on the Sean Dunn rumours because that, yes. that's no. not going to be a thing. <laughs> um, no, I did hear something and it's it's of someone who would be very reliable in in my opinion anyway. Okay. Uh, that Romeo may be an option next season. That he may actually be coming back. Romeo Parks? Yeah. Um, he would be... Can you, like? Can you imagine having the kind of the front three that we have at the moment now? You have Junior, you have Coughlin, maybe DeVries and Parks, and you have one of them on the bench. Or you know, you're, the, the options we would have then are limited, limitless almost. You, you know, oh, it's it, it's a dream to think about. So it is. It's a like I you'd strike fear into any team in the league if that was the if that was the options you had come in the attacking area of the pitch. Was, yeah. Uh, I wonder he's playing. He's on loan in uh, New Mexico United in the. Um, oh, I forget what it's called. It's like the second tier again of, um, or maybe the third tier. I don't know, um, of the of American football, is he? Where is he playing though? Is he playing on the wing? Is he, does anybody know anything about how's he getting on? Like, I know he scored one goal. He's played. He's made fourteen appearances. But where's he playing? That's what I want to know. Any any news on that? No, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm watching the second division <laughs> of American football. But no. <laughs> Yeah. I haven't seen any. I seen his. I actually seen his one goal. So I've actually seen that. That was on Twitter. It's a header, isn't it, from outside the box? Oh, uh, outside the box. I have seen him do a flip. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's it's a fairly crazy goal. I, I could be wrong. I could be mixing it up with something else, but I'm nearly sure it is because it was doing the rounds on Twitter about two months ago. Yeah, I think I've seen him do a flip in a yellow jersey, a somersault in a yellow jersey. Uh, so I presume that's. These new Mexico lads, New Mexico United, United. Look, he was an excellent player for us last season, so it'd be it'd be brilliant to get him back. He'd offer oh. us something a little different as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think like you know, we're, I think things have got a bit stodgy up top over the last couple of weeks. You know, having that option to bring somebody off the bench or just to switch it round a bit, like you know. Um, I, would, I would like to say, I think there's no chance of it happening. Probably right. Yeah. <laughs> I would, yeah, I mean, listen, Magoo, I, like, let's, let's burst the bubble. I, I tend to agree with you. I would, uh, <laughs> I'd question um, this whole section, Sean Dunn's rumour mill. Like, you know, it's, it's fallen flat yeah. in space already. We're only, <laughs> we're only game. We'll push things on. As I said earlier on, um, in the third part of the podcast, we're going to have a look at the Shells game and we're going to have a look at um, what we need to do to make that uh, third or fourth slot spot in the league. Um, and maybe this fourth spot could turn into a European place for us. 
Um, but before we do, um, we're going to have a chat with um, current Sligo Rovers Chief Executive Officer, uh, Colin Feely. Um, we spoke to him um, about, uh, we covered a lot of topics, um, all very interesting. And the first thing that we asked him about was, um, what were his memories of this time, eight years ago, when Rovers were crowned 2012 League Champions? Um, I, can, I suppose the main one is obviously the Raps couple of goals early on. I thought maybe um, it was a nervous week going into it. I remember we all knew we could do it. We all knew St. Pat's were probably our nearest rivals at the time. Um, I know Drogheda were there, thereabouts as well, but Pat's were probably one of the better teams that year. And they went on to win it the year after, so I think uh, that proves that point. Um, it was a nervous week. I suppose you're all sort of expecting maybe we could do it, you know, and I suppose even if we don't, we can still follow on with it next week. Um, there's a slight disappointment from the week before in Cork because we had maybe two, 3,000 fans down there, was it? And then um, yeah. we just didn't quite manage to get the result. It was a nil-all. It wasn't a great game, but um, it set it up nicely for that home game against St. Pat's. And um, I think after maybe half an hour when we were two up, we were all sort of delighted, thinking, yeah, this is, this is the day. And then you went from one emotion to the next, when it got to two all, um, thinking, oh, not again, you know, you have to maybe go another week or will this happen at all? And then obviously eventually got a little bit of luck off the off the linesman, I think, from the, the handball. Um, at the time, I don't know if it was uh, a penalty or not, but it doesn't really matter now. Uh, this day and age, it would be, though, eight years on. That was McGrath, yeah. was it? McGrath was the linesman. He's a re- is he a ref now? Um, yeah, he is. He's from yeah. uh, he's from Swinford, I think. Um, Damien. Damien's a nice guy, in fairness. He's one of the... Rovers fans, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, he was that then, maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah, the memories then is it's everyone running onto the pitches, the full time whistle blew, and the the thousands of Rovers fans there, and um, I suppose everyone just overjoyed. And I don't really remember much after that, to be fair. Like um, I, I remember the lads we all went out afterwards, and through the whole town was out <laughs> yeah. for a few days as as those kind of years from 2010 to 2013 or 14. The main memories would be maybe competing in a cup final, winning three, maybe was it, and going back into Sligo then on the Monday and going to Fiddlers and Tofts and everything. So it was a great time and 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 something. Hopefully, you know, it's not too far away again in the next few years. Yeah, like it, it, you're in a really kind of privileged position to be, um, like to to be working on a day day to day basis with um. With the team, I suppose, like for maybe people might be familiar. What what was your role at the time? Well, in 2012, um, so what happened was I remember we played a Santa Cup game against Glentoran, um, in the showgrounds, and it was early in the season. And like whatever happened, something happened with the Glentoran's fan supporters bus. Um, it's a funny story. Well, it's, it's sort of a fo- follow on then from how I started, and then. We had a second leg or the next group game against them up in up in Belfast, and um, I would have been organising the dooley like to go up and bring a few few of the lads up with us, and we were advised not to travel basically in case anything happened like a a retaliation from their side or whatever. So me wanting to go to the game as they always did, I just asked Gavin Dykes, "Is there any chance of uh, a seat on the team bus?" And yeah, luckily enough, I got to go on that and. Um, kind of followed on then in the next few weeks helping out around the club and 
helping Dermot Brannigan with the kit at the time. And um, that's how he sort of got my foot in the door, really. All right, okay. Uh, I never knew that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting you, you story, blagged, I suppose. You blagged your way into a Santana Cup game. and Basically, yeah, yeah. And then and you got into the... Yeah, I think it was Glen Torn at the time. Yeah, it was, I think. Um, it wasn't Crusaders. Yeah, Glen Torn, I remember, I think it was. And when was your... When did you kind of officially then take on the role? When, when was it, it your... Was, it would have been the next year, say a year after that. Uh, 2013 is the year we won the, the Cup. The year after the league win. Yeah, okay. And um, pre-season, I think I might have taken over and... Um, done about what maybe six years then at it and it was enjoyable and um, it was a busy role to be fair because it wasn't obviously just first team it was looking after all the teams so um with all the various underage teams there was no under 13s at the time our ladies but um it would have been a busy schedule with maybe three four teams altogether and a full-time senior team and, and the others in three two three days a week as well so it was um, busy but enjoyable hey, during that time, you would have experienced a huge amount of manager turnover and player turnover. What was that like? But coming from where Cookie had a very settled team, there was yeah. there was a lot of regulars there that were there for a good few seasons and such. But after Cookie left, or even when Barraclough left, it kind of just it was nearly a constant turnover of players and managers. After that, what was that like being involved in that? Uh, yeah, I got on with everybody to come in. You kind of have to treat everybody equally and the same. Um, you know, if you don't know them, you got to bring them in, welcome them, try and make them feel that they're part of it straight away. And, and you've got to hope that that affects their performances in a good way. Um, so no matter who it is that comes in, you, you get on pretty much the same with them, whether it's a new manager or a new player. And it was always difficult seeing people leave, especially a manager, because working so closely with them, you kind of seen the amount of work that they put into the job. And like me being from Sligo, I always find the most difficult thing for me, especially maybe after 2014 to maybe 2018 or so, we were sort of struggling a little bit after a period of success. I find it very difficult maybe after a Friday night getting beaten at a game or whatever and going into town the next day, maybe people, all they want to say to you is, we had the game, Jeez, that was terrible last night, maybe sort of negative stuff. Whereas yeah. I found if we won then, um, obviously it was such a great relief. You can enjoy your week and your weekend. Um, that was probably a struggle for me, living locally and being in the heart. But I'm, to be fair, knowing probably a lot of supporters and kind of being a supporter myself, maybe going from the, I probably took things to heart probably too much, maybe results. And um, I learned as the years go on to just maybe take them as they come and learn to maybe live with defeats better and, and stuff. And, I suppose that's what you have to try and do now in my current role is not get too disheartened and not read too much into results, but look at the bigger picture, I suppose. And you just touch on there with um, getting to know managers and that and how mm. you, hard you were taking the feats and that. Was yeah. it getting a little bit harder as well when you were getting to know a manager, not just on a professional level, but also on a personal level? Definitely, and yeah. You're becoming friends with them and then you have fellas down the town... <sighs> No more than myself saying to you, like, oh, this fella's useless, he should be out the door. Whereas that's not just a professional colleague, it's a, it's a friend as well as such. Yeah, again, that was, that was another difficult part of it, you know. Um, like, they're all different types of people, the managers. So if you want to start off, my first one was, would have been Ian Barraclough. He was uh, really professional um, on and off the pitch. Um, he's a little bit more reserved, probably didn't get 
as close to him as I, I might have maybe with the likes of maybe Jared Little and Dave Robertson and, and others, you know, um, some of the intern managers as well that got on really, really well with them. Um, Mickey Adams, Alan Rogers, um, and then John and Jimmy as well. Like, you know, they're all, they're all, they're all different, um, different characters and different um, kind of personality traits and got on really well with all of them. Yeah. And I suppose they did get quite friendly. We all, we were all a, a close knit tight group um, and all became friends as, as a, as a group of staff. And every time someone maybe got let go, um, it was difficult. The days kind of leading into it or following on from it, and um, we always felt sorry for them, I suppose, in a way, and felt bad. Maybe not. I suppose the role I was in as a kit man, I don't know. Could you say, oh, was anything my fault for them kind of losing games and stuff? But you do feel a little bit of guilt that maybe you're still there and they're the one that has to take the brunt of it. Uh, can I ask you a technical a question about uh, preparing kit? Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you are you doing specific are you, are you doing specific requests for specific players? Do they want? This I guess and that? so. Yeah. Look, it's, it's, you look up at the top top leagues, and I, I suppose everyone sees pictures of dressing rooms and setups before games and all social media now, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, and everything looks pristine and. You think, yeah, that's the top level. That's what it should be like. And then um, you kind of come down to the League of Ireland and our level. And some people m- might have often said to me, "Oh, sure, why would they be like that?" You know, it's only Sligo Rovers, maybe. And but like from my point of view, like why not try and I suppose be the best and prepare the best and give the players absolutely everything they need and want, because yeah. then you're taking kind of any excuses off the table, I suppose. Um, any kind of uh, you're putting their mind at ease and they're going to the pitch hopefully as, as free as they can and, and happy with everything and they're not thinking about oh these shorts are too small for example or my socks there's a hole in them or small bits like that and people might laugh at that but it is quite an important part of the whole uh, the whole footballer's sort of preparation for a game you know I I play on a Sunday myself and sure the night before the game I have all my stuff ready and folded and ready to go so on the, on the morning waking up and that's only playing for Karchin in the, in the Sligo Leitrim League you know and like we're in the top level of, of Irish football so you have to give them as much as, as maybe any other professional will get no matter what level they're at So what happens if what happens when Rovers are playing down in Turner's Cross or down the far end of the country you're obviously yeah. travelling with the team but you've got to get in there you've got to get into the dressing room ahead of the team and get set up how, how, um, how So no I would have I would have probably drove ahead right. so um, you might leave at the same time as them, but um, every away game, the team would stop off maybe on the way to get their pre-match meal. So that gives you maybe an hour or two kind of head start. You're, you go straight to the game, or I did anyways. Um, maybe leave, say, for a game in Dublin at, say, 8 o'clock, you probably leave Sligo at half one or so. Um, then I'd get there maybe 4 o'clock or half four, plenty of time. Um, you'd have all set up then by half five, six for the last to come in for maybe half six or so. Um, yeah, for me, I was always in that role. It was always a case of um, having things ready maybe a day in advance um, so there could be little or no hiccups on the day itself. You know, if, God forbid, your car broke down on the way in and fr- on Friday morning and, you know, you had to go to Dublin, you couldn't get into into the showgrounds and you had nothing ready, like, you know, 
that you never know what could happen. And, and did, any, and the did whole anything team ever is, happen? Did you ever break down in no, or Dublin or you know? No, no. Luckily enough, and I've <laughs> had some dodgy cars in that in that time as well, so I've got away with it. But no, um, yeah, I've rarely had any sort of mishaps. Obviously, there was a couple of times maybe you're running late. It's half five and you're stuck in Dublin traffic trying to get to Dalyman Park or somewhere, and you're sort of worried. But to be fair, it all has worked out in the end. I feel a lot of Rovers fans would see the kit man as a, a perfect job. Mm. You know, part of the squad in the dressing room every week. And yeah, what yeah. made you want to made you want to step from that to the CEO job then? Um I suppose like as the years went on, you know, you sort of gradually start doing extra bits and pieces around the club, um, be it merchandise, um, taking over the club shop, uh doing small bits of work in the office, I don't know, promotion, marketing. As I always say, once you're sort of in a club in the League of Ireland, there's never too many staff members around the place. Um, so everybody's got to sort of pull together and do other jobs they might be used to doing or they don't want to do. Or, um, you have to sort of do different things, not just your job spec. Um, and yeah, as, as the years have gone, it was kind of got gradually more and more involved in bits and pieces off the field and away from the pitch. Um, and then the opportunity arose last year and sort of took it on and um, yeah I'm enjoying it so far and it's totally different than what I was doing before obviously and probably a bit more pressure pressure in a different way but yeah it's uh, something yeah it's just got to be done and uh, it's enjoyable enough so far yeah and you were mentioning a minute ago about feeling responsibility after results when yeah. you were a kitman do you feel it more now? Um, I learned I've learned to take them like a little bit easier so for instance we lost obviously maybe three nil in Cork and got beaten in Waterford and uh, probably didn't play so well um, in either of those games just as an example picking those two out of the sky um, like previously you might have had the whole weekend and you'd be cursing yourself and worrying about it and oh, can't wait for the next game to come but um, it just added stress to your week and just personally like I was getting stressed out over it when Especially the year um, we nearly got, I suppose, relegated and we had to go to Drogheda on the last day of the season and we got a nil all and finally survived. I think that year really kind of made me learn to try and enjoy it a little bit more. Um, I remember like in the, in the stoppage time up in Drogheda, a point was enough for us and as long as Galway didn't win. And there was rumours coming through from behind us that Galway had scored in the last minute. You probably remember that. And at that stage, if that was true, we were relegated. And I was on the bench here in this, and I actually had to go away into the dressing room. I was, like, in tears. Um, and then I found out that, like, live score was wrong or something, or flash score. And, yeah, I was so relieved. And I think that was probably the... At that point, thinking that we were relegated, once that that score came in from Galway, the, the false score, that was probably the lowest I've ever been in the whole eight, nine years involved. And... Since that, I've just learned to maybe, when we win, don't get too excited. And when we lose, same again, don't get excited or don't get downbeat on it. And I suppose that kind of um, emphasises the importance of the run that we've had since we came back after lockdown when, you know, we all, we, we all, you know, we were aware of how poor the start of the season was. And, you know, we were, the, previous, the previous seasons had us all a bit worried about you know, whether we're going to be flirting with relegation again. Yeah. But I think we were all very worried at the start of this season. 
although we might have thought we had a better we had a better squad than was being reflected, but I, I suppose what I'm trying to get to is the the serious impact on a club of relegation on a club like Sligo Rovers, like the for, for a club like our for of like our size to go down. Yeah, it'd be um, obviously a very detrimental effect on the club. I think as a whole, um, I do think we'd probably lose out on well taking COVID out of it and just as if things were normal and you could have crowds as normal at games, you definitely turnover would be down because gate receipts would be down. I think um, with the greatest respect to maybe some of the, I don't know if you want to get into saying some of the clubs in the first division, but um, I suppose it is a, it's a fact that the opposition in the Premier Division do attract more crowds. Yeah. If you're in the first division, um, our gates would probably be down substantially. You know, We do have that hardcore support you probably always get maybe 1,400, 1,500 programs, probably no matter who we're playing. Um, but I think the opposition sometimes uh, bring that up closer to two, two and a half um, with the level of the games and the, the opponents, you know. Um, yeah. So that alone, like, and it's just the whole... Uh, I do think in recent years, the first division has been sort of forgotten about in the league and um, I don't think it's fair on the clubs that are in it. Um, you barely ever hear about the results or see the results. You have to go and look them up yourself. You know, if you're listening to results on the radio on a Friday night, barely ever mention the first division. Um, so you, you, I guess you don't want to be part of that. You know, the the Premier Division is where it's at um, at the moment. And I suppose that look at the first division; it's been a great league this year. Um, just five, six, seven teams fighting for promotion. Um, all good clubs. All if any of them come up to be. Um, Really, really difficult um, opponents, but yeah, you want to be in the Premier Division fighting against the best, I suppose, and um, aiming for that European football uh, position where the I suppose the money the money is, and um, you know if you're in the first division, obviously you can't get that unless you win the cup, and you have four chances to get into Europe in the Premier Division, so that's where we want to be, and that's where we have to be, you know. And um, we're, um, we're we're right there, thereabouts. Obviously, there's I mean, we don't play until. Is it Saturday week or Sunday week? We don't play until. It's actually this Sunday, yeah, Shelburne. Yeah. Sunday against Shells. This Sunday, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah. Away to Shelburne. Um, yeah, so after that, we've we had three games left. Um, you know, win that one, Cork at home, then the week after, um, then Dundalk on the last day. You don't know if they're going to be in European action. Uh, I think the Rapid Vienna away a couple of three days before that, so you don't know what sort of team they might have out. So look, we got to just take it. Cliche as it is, Shelburne on Sunday and try and get a result there and then see where the, the table lies at the, at the end of it and pick pick the games off as they're coming, you know? Yeah, but, um, you know, if we were to finish finish the league in the fourth spot, uh, you would be, you know, would kind of be hopeful, wouldn't we, of um, maybe, you know, something incredible happening in the Cup. Yeah, I suppose or, generally you know, seasons past, um, the top four has... Got in, the top four teams have got into Europe that fourth spot because obviously the cup winner would have already been in the top three. I know. Yeah. Expect you'd expect Dundalk to finish off strongly and probably finish third, um, if not second. You know they've bowled this Friday night. Yeah. If they beat them, they might fancy their chances and catching them, but um, you'd imagine they'll finish strong. They've a strong squad. Um, looked have a decent manager now. To be fair, um, I know everybody questioned about the start, but. Um, he's been been a revelation since he's gone in, got great results for them. They'll probably finish strong and finish in that top three. 
Um, I know Bowles played on Dawkins in the cup quarter final as well, so that will be one of the top three outs. So um, if that fourth spot is up for grabs, you're probably looking for either Shamrock Rovers or Dundalk or ourselves to win the cup, hopefully. Um, we have a tough game against Derry. Just slightly yeah, off, yeah. Slightly off topic, just be interested to get your view as a CEO for the for us. Like, what do you make of the Cork City situation? Um, I, I think it's a tough situation for them to be in as a club. Um, you know, it seems to go in cycles. Nearly, the clubs do really well. They win the league. Probably didn't do great in Europe. Um, so I think the reason for them struggling financially was when they won the league, they got all the best players in the country. Probably paying decent money, big squad there, kind of well, kind of well-paid players, maybe twenty players, um, plus a management team paying kind of big money for all that. They're in Europe and they probably didn't do as well as they could have done or probably thought they should have done. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. If, I know they won a couple of rounds maybe every year or two, but nothing um, nothing to probably bring them from the next into the next level in terms of uh, financially. Um, I suppose then the outgoings might have outweighed their income and over the years that will take its toll and and it's unfortunate for them because, like ourselves, they're a really big part of the community down there. Um, but, but they're, the, they're, they're also a community-owned club at the moment, but they're going to put that to a vote. Would you be Would you be in favour of seeing more community-owned clubs across the league? Or uh, yeah, it's, it's to be fair, like it's a. I think it's a league that you need. You really need your community around you and um, supporting you. Um, it's all about that close-knit community spirit and. Um, volunteerism and kind of rallying around the club so yeah look um, I think that's it, it's a good way to go and it's a good way to have it and I don't know the ins and outs of the situation in Cork but all I can look at is the table and they're bottom of it at the minute but they're only two points off uh, Finn Harp so uh, they'll, they'll still fancy their chances to get out of it I suppose why wouldn't they they have a home game I know against Waterford on, uh, on Saturday which their performance last night showed they can uh, they can maybe get a result there against Waterford at the weekend and come up to us then kind of fighting for, for points. So there's still all to play for really in the league. And it's a league that I think after maybe the top two or three, anyone can beat anyone really. Where do you, where, where do you see, uh, what can you tell us about next season in, in relation to a kind of an overall start date for the league? Uh, you know, I, I presume there's conversations happening there um, between clubs and with the FEI, what can you tell us about that? Um, not an awful lot, really. To tell, I think there'll be a lot of decisions made um, in the next, you know, few weeks. Hopefully, sooner rather than later, because all clubs need to know maybe um, if they get to get financial aid of uh, the government or of the FEI or whoever. Because um, everybody now at the moment we're in October, maybe three league games to go. We need to know what sort of finances we might have next season. Um, I don't think anyone knows what kind of crowds we'll have. So um, I think we're all guessing at the minute that restrictions will still be pretty similar to what they are at the moment. Although we don't know, we're hoping that will be increased and we can allow more people in. Get more income and gate receipts and everything. But in terms of the league as a whole, um, I suppose we have to expect that it'll start in, in mid-February. As normal, but again, um, they could delay that. Um, they might see decide that if they delay the season, then 
towards the back end of it, uh, restrictions might be eased a lot more, you know, um, and you might be able to allow more crowds in towards the end of the season. Um, whereas if the start in February, it's only two, three months away, so things might be similar to what they are now. Um, so I'd say that could be one note that they're thinking about and, and stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, it's up in the air, I think, and it's, it's, it's a very tough tough process for the FDI at the minute as well because there's a lot of decisions to be made and they've had pretty, a pretty hectic week there kind of go, gone by and um, they've a lot on their plate and I know uh, the league is it's massively important to everybody and um, they are doing their best I think up there in fairness to them um, and look it's, it's something that we just have to be slightly bit patient on we got to realise that this thing uh, the pandemic is is um, it's very tough for everybody to deal with, especially the FBI when they have so many teams to look after and the whole league um, to look after. And, um, you know, clubs are dependent on their on, on their decisions and stuff. So, we've got to just wait. Yeah. How much work is involved in um, the whole COVID side of things, testing of players? Like, when you think about what's happened in the international football over the last number of days and the fucking bedlam that's been going on, it's been amazing, really, that, uh, that there's been so few... Um, yeah, pickups from from an infection point of view across the league. Is there, is there a lot of work there? There is, to be honest. Yeah, um, it's it's every day, every morning. Um, for instance, just if you're taking first team only, that they might they might have trained at eleven o'clock in the morning, so we need to have our COVID officer there for ten o'clock with um with the list of names, temperature checks. The minute they come into the ground, they have to come in and get their temperature done. Um, fill out questionnaires. Um, that's every day, like, but it's something that just has to be done in the current climate, and you've got to be patient on it. You know, they're sick of getting their temperatures done and filling out questionnaires, and um, you know, but it's a small part of um, the bigger picture, and to have to do everything to keep keep us all sort of safe. And so you don't want to be the the club that maybe get a few people uh, with the infection. You got to make sure that as a club, we're doing all we can to keep safe and, and make sure nobody gets it. Um, that's from first thing all the way down to underage. I know Shane works there in the Astro in the evenings that um, it's five, seven days a week nearly that we have something on with academy teams and, and senior team. and um, It's a lot of work, but yeah, it just has to be done. There's no point cribbing about it. It's just, uh, it's got to be done and there's no problem doing it, you know. With regards, Theo, to the master plan, what's your involvement with that or in your thoughts on it? Um, Involvement-wise, not a whole lot. It's something that's more um, been sort of a committee level and stuff and uh, with the, kind of behind the scenes that way. Um, for me, it's it's something that's going to be brilliant to, to see maybe what what the future might look like at the showgrounds. Um, I feel we're really, I keep going back to it, a community club, but... Um, I think we're with the showgrounds, the facilities we have, we can be really increase that and be a real part of the community and have a real community hub there at the showgrounds. You know, there's no reason why we can't have extra extra kind of facilities there for not just football, um, but for other things too. You know, mm. uh, whether that might be an indoor hall or um, office areas or whatever it is. You know, there's there's plenty of stuff out there. You know, if you have the facilities and um, you can generate more income off of that, and um, you got to look at again the bigger picture and and look outside football, think outside the box, and yeah, it's something that we're all looking forward to seeing when it, when it's complete. Excellent. Uh, are you um, 
are you positive about the end of next the end of this season and um um next season despite all the mayhem that's going on and the pandemic and all that are you positive for the league yeah definitely have to be um, i think the product on the pitch is still it hasn't really uh, deteriorated too much i think the teams are more equal um probably since the lockdown especially you know it's a it's a level enough playing field um i think we're right up there with the with the best of the teams you know on our day um, we've had some great performances since since July. Uh, coming back, you know, wins away to Derry, beating from Dock, Shelburne, Waterford at home. Um, we've had some really good days, and I think with three games to go now, I think we can only do what we can do. And if we if we're to win all three, can't see can't see us finishing outside the top four, you know. And that's got to be the aim: is to win all those three remaining league games, uh, win the cup game as well, get into a cup semi final, and. I think if we if we were to finish off strongly, it'll um, keep everybody's spirits up in around the club, the supporters, the the whole the whole uh, Sligo Rovers community, and it'll, it'll only help us kind of going into twenty twenty one. Okay, that was our chief executive officer, Colin Feely. Um, it's a really great story. That idea of um, moving. Uh, do you know what that that idea of moving from a kit man to becoming part of the kind of admin and. Um, you know, the, the movers and shakers in the club. It's not unusual. Cork City in Forest as well, they had a former kit man who became chairman of the club as well, I think. So not um, not unheard of to make such a big move. But, um, like, you know, I mean, as you, Sean, as you who said it to him during the interview, just to be, you know, to be in and around those great teams, in and around involved in 2012 and 2013 when we were in the Cup uh, competition, just amazing stuff like Oh, would have been brilliant for him as a part, you know, as a fan. I th- I think Phil's story is fascinating anyway, you know, because I remember him on the on the terraces going ballistic. As I think he's one of the original members of the fours of the group, even. All right, okay, yeah, yeah. So I think that's how far he's stemming back with his with his involvement with the club. Yeah. Uh, so from to go from fan to kit man to CEO, I think it's just I think it's mad, but I think it's I think it shows what Sligo Rovers is all about. It's you know it really is that's that's community there, yeah. you know that's a lad just coming in off the terraces and working his way up in the club and you know he's he's doing a fantastic job as well. You have to hand it to him. Yeah, and like I mean I don't care who you are, like it's it's um like it's a bit it's a big role, big responsibility. Rovers are like somebody said to me a couple of years ago, like if Sligo Rovers aren't operating in Sligo, you know you're that's that's you know. Uh, I think it's about it's 25 full-time people or full, 25 jobs at least gone like you know and, and then there's all the other ancillary jobs around it like you know it's like you know if any business that size pulls out of a community it's it's a serious it's a serious kind of blow to the area like you know so if, if um, that I'm just trying to get a measure of the responsibility that he has on his shoulders to make sure things are ticking along and like it's it's a it's a big it's a big job like you know um What's he like to work with, uh, Magoo? Uh, he's a gentleman. Absolute gentleman. But she all know Theo anyway. He's a gentleman. You're not going to dish some dirt on him, though? You got, you got anything? Uh, dirt addition on Theo. Doesn't wash no, the cups after him? No. Leaves the milk out? Leaves the milk out, yeah. Till it turns, till it walks back into the fridge itself. Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, we wish him every success in the role. And... Um, you go from strength to strength, strength, I'm sure. Okay, so 
Um, finally, we have a bit of football uh, on the horizon uh, that's involving the Rovers. Um, we're up against Shells next. Uh, Magoo, this is going to be... I mean, it's, the last game was a bit of a battle, even though we look comfortable with it. Shells got back into it. This is going to be a tough game. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game. It's like they're very hard to beat. Like, it's a game we have to win. You'll, you'll be glad to know, Connor, that the, the most important game in our race in history, Waterford, is being consigned to the bin now because Shelburne is now becoming the most important game in our race in history. Yeah. And, yeah. like, if we don't have any, any chance of getting the fourth spot, like, we have to beat. We have to beat Shells. Yeah. Have to, I think. And it won't be easy. Like, everybody looks at them. Like, they're awful to watch, Shelburne. They're awful. They're horrible to watch. But just because you're horrible to watch doesn't mean that you're going to be any easier to beat. Yeah. Like, they're awful hard. But they've lost, they've lost less games than us. And they've only conceded 14 goals or something, I think. Like, they, draw, they, they tend to draw a lot of games. So, okay. it's by no means going to be easy. It's going to be a battle. It's, I'd say if we, if we do get the three points, it'll be, we'll have to grind it out. We're definitely going to have to be grinding. Um, and just, every man's going to be happy up for it this weekend. Because if we... If we go passive like we have in a couple of games and with a couple of passengers, I can't see us getting anything. Like they mightn't they mightn't score a whole pile of goal children, but if they don't concede them. So if we concede early, I think we could be in bother straight away. We'd have yeah. to be we'd have to be um, on our game right start. The game is on at five o'clock on um, on Sunday just to say it's um it's in Talca Park. Um like yeah, like the, the, the I think, you know, shells know how to rough it and they're they'll they'll be happy to They'd be happy to make it as difficult as possible for us. I mean, where are they? What, are they, where, what points are and they? I hear just so. Just to be quick, and just at that point, as you're talking about, Connor, I hear the pitch up there is supposed to be in horrendous condition as well. All right. Which that's, is not going to be of any use to us at all. No, that's, that's, a, that's a big issue, actually. Um, yeah, so. They've played the same number of games as us, and um, they are on. Um, shells are on 16 points they're in 8th place like I, they, they can't really have ambitions of um, I mean you know they, I mean I suppose they could still technically they could make that 4th spot as well couldn't they, uh, and they yeah they could because Derry are, they're on the same points as Derry at the moment Derry have um, yeah. Derry have uh, four game, game less played yeah so I mean I suppose from from um, from Shells perspective they'd be if they do that on Sunday, they'll be on level points, so why not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're very, they're very and I don't know who else is after that, but like to be looking at it, if they, if they can get nine points, that would leave them on 25. Like, if they, were, if, they were, if they were to beat us, the most we could get would be 24. They'd have Derry to play in that run. So then they'll be taking points off Derry as well. So they'll be they'll be thinking along the same lines as us that if they get if they get nine points from the three remaining games, they're in with a shout. Yeah, but they're playing. Um, yeah, they're playing us. They're playing. I'm just trying to see what other fixtures where else um, shells are popping up um, in relation to the teams that are around us, and I don't see them really mentioned. Uh, Derry played Derry. them. Derry played them. Yeah, and um, I don't see them mentioned. Uh, in Waterford, Pats, or Ro- uh, Shams games are done. I just met them to a little, that's right, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so, Sean, what would you be looking for from a Rovers perspective going into this game? You know, I think 
we've become a bit, a bit sluggish over the last couple of weeks. Um, what sort of changes would you like to see? Definitely massive, a big change to that back four anyway. That's something that just can't happen again. Well, we're, um, we're already missing Kyle Callum McFadden. Isn't he suspended? Yeah, so I, I'd assume you'd see Timu move back into the centre. And I'd like to think maybe Regan Donlan is available, hopefully Cooper. Um, and then I definitely expect to see Banks back at right back anyway. So, uh, and then more than likely he'll go with Buckley beside Timu. Timu, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you'd hope as well with a couple more games under Buckley's belt with Banks in beside him, uh, Donlan back in. I mean, you've, that's, a, that's a reasonably solid back four, isn't it? Ah, oh, you'd be happy with that back four. It's a progressive back four as well. If you like Donlan or Cooper at left four, you, you know, you have a good delivery off a left peg, and then Banks offers you solid defender and also is very good going forward. So, um, what are you going to do in the midfield then? I think Buckley is a big decision to make there. David Cawley will be available again. And then you have Seymour and Morhen's an automatic starter. Yep. So it's a big call between Seymour and, and Cawley. But Shane, who, who would you choose out of the two of them, Magoo? Um, I'd be tending to play the three of them. Oh. Play Cawley, Morhen and Seymour? Yeah. Right, explain this. Play, I'd play the 4 3 3, play the three of them and the three boys up top. I'd go along with you on that, Magoo, for a simple reason is you could even leave David Cawley sit on Gary Deegan and that eliminates Shell's main thread in the whole game. They rely so heavily on him. Yeah. And plus, and, uh, if, if, the pitch, if the pitch is as bad as, as it's been said to be, and we know that Shell's like a battle anyway, you want your grafters in the middle, lads put their foot in, get through a bit of work. That's what it's going to take. Like the first, the first hour or like, if we win 1-0 in the 90th minute, happy days. But, like, we're going to have to grind it out first, I'd say. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be like what we had against them down in the showgrounds earlier on there in the season. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's, I was lucky enough to get to that game, and I thought we were brilliant that day. We played lovely football, kept the ball on the ground. You know, it was a good day for it. Just everything worked in our favour that day. We attacked, we pressed well. But that's not going to happen up in Talca. As Magoo says, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be an all-out battle. And um, if you think about if it's a heavy pitch, uh, difficult to keep the ball down low, who are you going to put through the middle up top? Who's, who, who are you going to hope the ball sticks to? It has I, to be, I know we're all, everybody's given out about him, but ha- for me it has to be Coughlin still. Like, I'm still out of the mindset. If he plays well, we play well. Like, he's... Um, like I didn't think he was that bad against Shams. Like everybody was giving out about him on social media. Alan Cawley was wondering why he wasn't taking off after half an hour and all. And I looked again back again. I, I thought he was all right. Like and like he wasn't his best. But it, players go through it. Like they're up and down. They, they come in and out of form. But I think he has to. You have to play him, especially away from home. I think to hold up the ball and and bring others into play. Like if he's on his game, like the month, the first month we came back after. After lockdown, I was astonished he didn't get played one for the league. I, I, I genuinely thought he was the best player. He was the best player, like, and so it's you know we just hope it's just hopefully he comes back into form again for the last couple of games, the three yeah. league games in the cup. But he he not come into form. He's sitting on the bench, like, so yeah. I think we just you have to stick with him. And did you I, watch I, the Shams? Did you I watch the Shams? Well, 
I did watch most of it, yeah. And what was your, you weren't here last week, what was your takeaway from it? I thought we played all right, like, I was, it was, like, it's gassed, because I was thinking if we were, if I was on the podcast this week, people would be talking about me, because I was slating them after Waterford, only losing 1-0 uh, to a worldie, and this week I'd be saying that we played all right, because I thought in patches against Shams, like, it was better football, and we were undone by, by silly goals then, like, and stupid, you know, and Shams can do that to you, they have, they have serious talent all over the pitch, like, so, yeah. Yeah. there's no, but I, I honestly thought we were... I honestly thought, and and if if the manager had to come to if if Stephen Kenny was never at a League of Ireland game before in his life, and he went down to that game and he says the fella for the Ireland international squad is playing here in midfield tonight, you can bring him with you after the game. He would have had nine more than in the back of the car bringing him off to Dublin or off to Abbotstown with him, not fucking Jack Byrne. Yeah, because he was brilliant. I thought, especially yeah. first half, he was excellent. Yeah, well, I, I think that's. I mean, I think myself and Sean both agreed that we. The, we, we put in much worse performances and there was definitely positives to take out of it. There was periods of really good play from Robert. And yeah. you, would, you would hope that going into these final three games that this is the, the corner they're beginning to turn as we go into the down the home straight. Yeah, definitely. But now, like that, Sean's a let you play football and a nice big uh, perfect pitch to play, to play ball on and stuff like that. So yeah. it was probably easier for them like. This this weekend is what it's all it's what it's going to be for the next couple of games. Yeah, so everything hangs on this this shells game. Uh, if um, if we get beaten on Sunday, can we throw our hat at it? Like we're yeah. it's all out of our control, isn't it, Sean? What do you think? Uh, getting better on Sunday isn't an option. It's 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 must win. Um, yeah, if we if we get better on Sunday, that's it. Just leave it leave it at that. You know. Go and play your last two games and see what happens in the cup then. Because have to win the cup. Yeah, no top, top four isn't an option if we lose on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, as um, as uh, Theo alluded to in the conversation, he said, um, you know, quite frequently the team that finishes fourth qualifies for Europe through, um, you know, in lieu of the the cup being um, being won by one of the top three who've already qualified. So. Um, you know, this is a big opportunity for us. Magoo, who, who are you looking at in and around us? Who are who are you most fearful of? What, which of the opposition are you most fearful of um, f- during the run into the season? Of who might get fourth? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I can't. I think. <clears throat> I think Waterford. Like, if we if we beat Shells, I can't see Waterford getting above us. Because I think Waterford, with the run in they have, they've Cork this weekend, which isn't a gimme the way Cork played last night. But even if you, even if you give them the three points out of that, they have Dundalk, which I would take to get nothing out of, and then they're away to Hearts in the last game of the season. Yeah. So I think after that, then you have Derry, and Pats probably is the one that nobody's talking about, who have the game in hand and are level on points with us. That's right. Go on, Sean. That's Pats are the team I'm most fearful of. Yeah, but like nobody is talking about them. Yeah, and I don't know why people aren't speaking about them because they've actually hit a decent run of form as well. They're unbeaten in five. They're um, they're away to Finn Harps. They're away to, to Shams, and they're home to Bowes. Who are missing? Who else are they playing? Dundalk. Dundalk. Okay. But yeah, I mean they they. That's why nobody's that's why nobody's missing them because they're looking at their running, but. 
Yeah, yeah, but, uh, I think Dundalk is, people are very afraid of Dundalk in the running, but I, I keep saying about Dundalk's same among the games that they have to play. They can't, they can't win them all. It's just, it's not possible for them. With, with all the European fixtures, they have to fulfil as well. Like, it's not that big of a squad to have. Yeah. It's going to take its toll on them. Uh, Travelling could be a major issue for Dundalk as well. And yeah. COVID. Like a, no, big no, I, I'd, be, I'd be very fearful of Pats. I think they, you know, they're not the greatest side in the world to watch at the moment. They play an okay style of football, I suppose. But he's grinding out results with them at the moment at the right time. And I'd be worried about that. Yeah, and you can yeah. see, like they, and they can, they can, they can be a bit of a reducer against teams that want to try and play football. You can, you can you remember what happened to us in, in Inchicore. It, was, it turned into a desperate game of football. Like, you know, it was well, they sucked the life out of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, Sean, you're worried. You're, you're are you both saying Pats are our biggest biggest threat for fourth here? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, if we beat if we beat Shells, I can't see water from Cashman, so I, I think it has to be Pats. Yeah. And um, would you be fairly confident that Dundalk will make third? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you have to if you if you're just going by it on on paper. If you're looking at it just in games, like it has to be putting Dundalk for third. But as you say. With the amount of games they have and the amount of travelling they do, you don't know what's going to happen. But on the face of it now, if you were putting money on it, you'd have to put it on the dock, right, for third. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think they'll be run away, run away third, but I think they'll get it. You know, I do think they're going to drop a couple of points between now and the end of the season, and preferably against us on the last day as well. Yeah. Um, well, we'll know an awful lot more about our faith on uh, on Sunday evening. Um, do you want to put a? Do you want to try and call that game, Sean? At the the game of the game of which uh, what will the score be? I'd say it's going to be a sticky one 0 toss. Ooh. Go. Yeah, I go same. Who's scoring? Uh, Darren Noon. Against his old club. Oh yes, that's right. With a free kick. Just just while we're on that point, actually. Um, uh, Buckley is notoriously loyal manager like so don't be surprised if you see him in the certain lineup on, on Sunday well he does like a bit of Darren Noon yeah he's and he's stuck by him he's stuck by him he's, he's come in there and he's played he's, he's played an awful lot of football more than maybe some people would have anticipated but um, yeah I mean that's uh, I'd love if he scored the winner if he scores the winner and it comes off his arse in the 93rd minute he'd be an absolute hero yeah just for the record just I'm when I say Darren Noon needs to come out of the team, I mean it right back. I don't think Darren Noon has done anything wrong when he's if he plays further forward, he's a decent footballer. Yeah, yeah, he get the ball forward. Yeah. Who's scoring? Who's scoring your last minute winner, Sean? It's Cockle. It's yeah. said he comes back into form for the last few games of the season and he fires us to Europe. And how important would that goal be if he was to if he was to get a winner for us? Oh, that would yeah. be just yeah, that would yeah. be massive. I mean, that'd I be think. Good. It might sound a wee bit over the top, but I think if he gets a goal on Sunday, I think even for the whole team, it'd just be it'll be huge. If your striker starts scoring at this stage of the season, the whole team gets a lift. It's just yeah. an extra, it's an extra boost. Um, just to go back, just before we finish up, um, Magoo, we never. Um, who's playing in your left and right then? Uh, up top. Uh, yeah, beside Coughlin, each side of Coughlin. Uh, junior and the freeze. Yeah, yeah. Sean, it has to be get the best player on the pitch and make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so listen. Um, we
we, uh, we have, as I said, we know an awful lot more after the game on Sunday. Um, a goal from Coxon would just be amazing. Our, you know, it'd be interesting to see the former Shells player, um, Darren Noon, come up with a winner. Um, are we going to wrap it up? Have we, have we covered everything we want to cover? I think so. Um, yeah. yeah, listen, uh, thanks so much for, for listening and for um, sticking with us over the last number of podcasts. Uh, thanks to Theo for joining us today. And um, a really special thanks to our new sponsors, Milligram, who are Sligo's finest coffee shop, and they're located there on Wine Street in the middle of Sligo Town. Um, we can, we can. Uh, oh, before we go, before we go. Oh yeah. Um. Oh, yes. The website and yeah. all the new gear on the website. Yes. Oh, yes. Top quality, top quality gear on the website now, for everybody to go and check it out. Some class stuff there, honest to God. Top of the range. Yeah, no, you're right, Shane, and it nearly slipped my mind. Um, we there was some serious work gone into the, the number of uh, products that have gone up on the BORST, the Bitter Red Supporters Trust podcast. BORST.ie, um, hoodies, t-shirts, uh, aprons. Uh, what else have they got up there? Uh, baby rolls, baby hats, uh, um, t-shirts with all different designs on them. Hoodies with different designs on them. Um, it's some class gear on it now in fairness yeah, really, really nice really nice stuff really, yeah and it's obviously it's all rovers related stuff uh, my favourite one is the um, showgrounds the design of the showgrounds the line drawn that one it's got Tracy Avenue it's got the Jinx Avenue it's got the railway end um, yeah I mean it looks just really quality gear uh, it's really well priced so get onto the Bitter Red Supporters Trust website uh, get your uh, credit card or your debit card out and um, pick yourself up or get, do a bit of early Christmas shopping for um, that Rover oh. side of your life. Uh, Absolutely. And, and um, yeah, spend some money there. Um, is there anything else up on the website uh, that's new? No, just to, just to say that w- what we always say, a uh, great writing up there from Leo Gray, um, Jack Dagnan. Uh, obviously our podcast is up there and um, that's about it. We will talk to you when we come out of the, um, out of the Shelburne game on Sunday. We'll talk to you uh, next week. And uh, thanks so many for joining us.